Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio, my name is Bill Matz, I'm your director of fun and games for the evening, ah, man, I really thought we were gonna have, like, these next three weeks off, that would have been real nice, but this little mini vacation for the All-Star game, I suppose will have to suffice, as they make up the, uh, cancelled games during the Olympic window, there's plenty to talk about this team as the trade deadline approaches, as, uh, you know, it's where we're past the midway point, all of these things coming to a head that we've been talking about all season. So let's get right into it. Let's lead things off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I was in a really good mood for a minute. I did a <laughs> and then um, the show started. Yeah, I did a a Cody ride that was themed to Tiger Beat magazine. None of these words mean anything to anyone else no. on this podcast, but that's no. fine. Um, and then I logged onto Twitter. So. It, this is just like a little miniature lesson, like a life lesson, which is to like never log on. It's a good life everyone, lesson. Yeah, everyone is a we're we're pretending that gritty is the reason that the team is bad again. I guess we're just bored on a Thursday. I think so. that is pretty much the reason. Um, it's just like yeah, yeah. there are so many things to be so mad about. Many things that like we don't need to invent them. Like. Gritty is not the reason they're bad. Like, I'm sorry they tried to make the team appeal to kids and you can't smoke cigarettes in the seats like you used to in the Spectrum. I'm sorry (laughs) that it's different now, but it is. Welcome to the new world. I don't like 2022 and, like, the corporate sanitization of of America as more than anyone, but it is what it is. This is the world we live in. Yeah. I think there's an element with the Gritty stuff, too, where... Like, the big argument you hear, and and I'm sympathetic to the frustration where it's like a lot of people have linked Gritty to this idea that, you know, he's like an opiate for the masses because he's there to distract you about how bad the Flyers are. But, like, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nobody knows how bad the Flyers yeah, like, are. We don't one. talk about it constantly. Yeah, like everyone yeah I can't tell because the there's a mascot. I can't. I've never noticed that the Flyers are bad. But here's the thing, okay? Every team has a marketing department on the business side of their of, of their operation. And your marketing department's job is to market the team, is to market ways to get people in the stands, is to market things like that. Well, right now, that marketing department really can't market the team because the team is fucking awful. So what choice do they have but to market the one thing that some people, certainly not diehard fans, but like some people might be like, hey, I'm going, I might bring my kid to the game because my kid thinks gritty is fun. And no, like, it's-, it's, it's not ideal. Ideally, you would market the team. But guess what? You can't be like, hey, you know what you should do? You should come out to watch one of the five worst teams in hockey because that'll be a good way to spend your Thursday night. 
Like, no, you can't do that because it's not a selling point. So it's not like, yes, that's true that like, yeah, they're, they're pump, they're pushing gritty because the team's bad, but like, of course they are. That only makes sense. It's literally the marketing department's job to sell anything they can about the team. And unfortunately the hockey team's bad. So of course they're going to sell the mascot. Like, sorry, that's just how it works. Can we talk about how like the Philly fanatic is the only thing anyone thinks about when you think about the Phillies, like in the entire universe? Everyone in the world knows what the fanatic is. I do think that's there's an element there where like, you know, and this goes back to just the the feeling of like the Flyers aren't the Flyers anymore. But like, that's true that the Philly fanatic is what you think about when you think of the Phillies. But part the reason for that is because the Phillies are a joke. Like they historically horrible baseball. They've been a joke for a hundred years. So of course they want to that time <laughs> they won a couple um but that's that's the thing. In 140 like, years they have won twice like I've there is a more phillies wins than i've seen flyers well, that's wins, true. That's fair. That's that's true. Say. i guess what, what i'm saying is that like there's an implicit understanding that like the phillies need a fanatic because they're just a dumpster fire of an organization and pretty much always have been with the exception of like two or three short stretches the flyers well, didn't have to need that until recently when they've now become they a dumpster fire of an organization or at least a dumpster fire yeah, on the ice. Like, that's fair. They are, like, they suck, but it's not, like, gritty. Do you think Chuck Fletcher fucking, like, oh, well, I was going to make this trade, but screw that. We got this gritty shit going on. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just don't, I don't see how the two things line up. They like, don't. It doesn't. They But they line up in the sense that people are angry. And, again, you go back and that, to like, when people are mad, they're going to be mad at actually, everything. There's plenty to actually be mad about, I, you know, like, I, whatever. People are going to be mad about shit, and that is their right, because the team is horrible. But hey, they've won two in a row. That's something, right? Yeah. Well, now that now that losses are wins, the wins make us mad, even though them being bad is going to yes. continue to make us mad, even though we want, even though we want them to lose, we're going to be mad about them losing. <laughs> But since we want them to lose, we'll be mad about them winning, too. (laughs) So we're just going to be fucking mad. So you know how, like, when when the Flyers are playing, like, a shitty hockey game and they, like, cut to... Yes, I do. Like, someone, someone, like, smiling on the bench. (laughs) And then people get all pissed off, like, look at Claude Giroux laughing. They're losing 5-0. This is fucking ridiculous. That has just spread out to, like, everything. No one is allowed to experience one moment of joy in their life until the flyers are good again. Yep. So yep. please do not enjoy anything. Please do not like anything. I hope that you don't have any loved ones or whatever. You're just simply not allowed to experience any joy until the flyers are good. Otherwise, you're letting the fan. team off the hook. Bad fan, not holding them accountable. You're a fraud. All of these things are true. So, well, that yeah. goes back to so I wrote a column last week um, in the wake of the Keith Yandel. Like breaking the Iron Man record in the wake. Um, in the wake, yes, I guess we're yeah. It probably was a maybe not a good, but also kind of a good way to put it. Um, and it was more of like a think piece. I don't usually do these types of articles, but I felt like it was a, it was a time for a think piece because of the amount of people that like just were not only apathetic towards Keith Yandel breaking the Iron Man record, but like actively pissed off about it and. Like, I do understand, again, where that anger comes from, this idea that, like, this record is a joke, Yandel shouldn't have been playing, you know, this is just an example of how bad the Flyers are. But 
the overarching point of the piece, and I'll make it on here too, is like, look, it's your right, I guess, to be mad all the time and to like, you know, look at the Keith Yandel thing and just get angry. But we got another three months of the season. Like, do you really, like, isn't it going to be exhausting to just be angry for another three months all the time? Like, do you really want to live like that? And it was less a, like, it was less a scolding and more like a maybe, like, take a look in the mirror and decide if you actually have the energy to keep up this level of anger for another three months because this isn't ending. Like, this is, we're not at game 65 where maybe you can sustain that for another three weeks. Like, no, we got another three months of this shit. So you really got to make a decision as to whether you really want to be this pissed off for another three freaking months. I'm just going to take it a step further. If you were actively pissed off that Keith Yandel broke a record that took him his entire career. He's been here for like five seconds. If you were actively pissed off that he broke a record of playing hockey games in a row, there's something wrong with you. Well, uh, and you like, need to examine yes. what that if, is. If fundamentally, it, like, if it actively pisses you off, sure. There's something wrong. But with there you. are elements of it that are like kind of a joke. Like first of all, the only reason he has the record is because he was working towards the record. The yeah, only thing that allowed this the only thing that allowed this streak to last is the streak itself. Like yes. he was gonna get sat in Florida and they laid their jerseys down like he's fucking Rudy. <laughs> and then they <laughs> And then they and then he comes here and we do not have six NHL defensemen. We barely have four, so he gets to stay in the lineup and that maintains the streak. And then there's just the madness that every defenseman has tested positive except for him. And not him. That in <laughs> itself is, like, worthy of celebration. Somehow he avoided the fucking COVID. And the best part about I don't it believe is, it. I mean, we, we, want, we want to improve the vaccine. I don't Make it even it. better. Get Keith Yandel's blood in the vaccine. <laughs> the thing that's most hilarious about this, Bill, is that you are correct. The only reason he has a streak is because of he had the streak. hockey man... Not going to sit him because of the streak. That kind of old man hockey shit, like, that's the stuff that all of the people that are pissed off about Keith Yandel breaking the record think we need to get back to. Yeah. So once again, look inward and figure out what's going on with your life that you're so pissed off about the fact that the coach isn't going to sit the guy because guess what? It doesn't matter. I can guarantee you that if the Flyers were good and Keith Yandel in and of himself was actively costing them wins. Just Keith Yandel. I don't think they would continue to play him. I, I don't think that. they would like, I don't know if they would cost themselves a playoff spot just to get Keith Yandel a, a, a streak. But it doesn't fucking matter. Team's terrible. And he's not the reason that they're losing. So who cares? This, he's, he's not at, helping, but like he isn't the, if, if, you, were to, the reason. if you were to replace Keith Yandel with in the anyone. lineup with Nick Sealer, like it's not changing anything. Nothing the is team's better. still going to be bad. Yeah. So at this point, who, I think he should play 23 minutes a game. <laughs> I hope the tank. he never sits. He's going to take this streak all the way into no one signing him over the summer. Good for him. <laughs> ah, the Oilers will pick him up. Come on. <laughs> 
from the athletic.com. Oh, shit, we're Charlie still doing yeah, We're 11 minutes in and we're still doing insurance. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so I, I, I am definitely looking forward to this all-star break. Um, I actually am going to be, uh, on vacation through all of next week because I assumed that there wasn't going to be a hockey game, so I took I took a break. But the way I look at it is the only games next week are two games versus the Detroit Red Wings. So, like, they do ready. they really even count? There's two teams that really – I mean, the Red Wings are probably in a better spot in terms of the rebuild than the Flyers are because at the very least they've acknowledged they are rebuilding, and now they have – you know, in in Raymond and uh, and Mert Sider, they have two high end pieces to build around, um, but two young high end pieces to build around. But in the in the in the scope of this season, these games don't matter. Like it doesn't. Neither team is making the playoffs. So oh, I, let's. I like, think they matter. Kind of the, need to lose them. It's kind of a week off. Well, I don't think they're going to catch the Red Wings either. But I guess it's possible they could. You know, they're not. They totally just out need as realm. many losses as possible. Yeah. Like. This seventh seed shit is no good. They need to be like bottom three. Yeah, or at least top five. I don't think I don't think there's any way they're catching Montreal or Arizona. Like those teams are just like historically bad. Like oh, Montreal so might bad. be historically bad. Um, they but, never. They're so bad. But if they if the Flyers can get top five and put themselves in like a decent chance to to maybe jump up in the lottery, that'd be cool. Aren't we owed one? Yeah, you know, you know. it feels like the Flyers are owed one. The problem is that they did win a lottery, but that just adds to the fact that they no, are they owed didn't. one because they won a lottery, <laughs> but in the process lost. Exactly. We still never got our payback from 07. Like, they still never made that one up to us. Yeah. Won 22 games, get fucking JVR. Like, no, we're owed more than one at this point. Uh, all right. So before we get into the uh, the thing I wanted to get into, nah, fuck it. Let's do it. I need someone to explain how Comcast, like Xfinity, the cable company, does not own the Philadelphia Flyers. Someone just, like, lay this out for me. I've heard Charlie (laughs) explain it. I've heard Kelly explain it. I'm not that bright. Pretend I am an idiot. Explain to me how Comcast, the cable company, is not Comcast Spectacle. Either one of you. Okay. Well, so... The overarching thing is that, like, Comcast, the conglomerate, does, in a roundabout way, own the Flyers, because they own Comcast Spectacor, which is the entity that actually owns the Philadelphia Flyers. Like, that's how it works. But where we run into issues here is when people start to think that, like, every single entity owned by Comcast is, like, connected directly to the Philadelphia Flyers. Like, for example, this was something that, like, legitimately annoyed me for a lot of the year. When you would hear people complaining that the fact that Jim Jackson and and um, and Keith Jones were not going on road trips to cover, you know, to, to, to do commentary for games was just another example of how cheap the Flyers are. No, it wasn't. Because, yes, NBC Sports Philadelphia is owned by Comcast. And, yes, Comcast Spectacor is owned by Comcast. But the two entities are completely separate. They have totally different budgets. And, yes, I do believe that Jim Jackson and Keith Jones should have been able to go on those on those trips mm-hmm. because other teams were. But that's on NBC Sports Philly for being cheap. It has nothing to do with the Flyers being cheap because the Flyers, Comcast Spectacor, who owns the Flyers, cannot control what NBC Sports Philly does with their budgets. So 
You just have to like, and like when Comcast cable has an outage, that's not the flyer's fault. Like there's, yeah, so Comcast, you, you got, you got to understand that. Yes. Like, yes. Like <laughs> don't equate every single thing that Comcast owns as being directly connected to the Philadelphia Flyers because they're not. It's Comcast Spectacor, which is its own entity that just happens to have Comcast in the name and is owned by Comcast. That is what deals directly with the Flyers. If something else is also owned by Comcast, that is not on the Flyers because the way that businesses are set up in their own, like, like, look, the Athletic just got bought by the New York Times. The New York Times owns a bunch of other shit. Like, the New York Times also just bought Wordle. Like, if... So when I don't guess the word, I should complain to you. Yes, it's it's completely the athletic's fault when yes. you fuck up on Wordle one day and you break your 12-day streak. That, like, that's, that's, that sounds insane, but that's the exact same point you're making when you say that, like, NBC Sports Philly screwed up and that's the Flyers' fault. Like, as this goes back, Bill, it goes back to kind of what you were saying before, where it's like there are tons of legitimate reasons to be pissed off yeah. at the Philadelphia. I'm not Flyers telling you, don't team. be pissed. Like, let's make sure we're picking ones that are real. Yeah, like, you can be mad. Sure, I am. Like, I barely have a voice and I'm screaming already. There's plenty to be mad about. But I, that ain't it. You know, I don't like Comcast, the cable company either. That's why I have YouTube TV. I'm sure I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm. I'm paying fucking Google, who's another evil corporation, but so be it. They're all But, evil. like, yeah, none of them are good. But I'm just saying, like, you know, pick and choose here. We can't be mad about everything all the time. If you can, if you can maintain that level, good for you. Uh, hit me up. Maybe you can be on the podcast. But, uh, like, it's, I just see some levels of insanity here that are uh, unwarranted. Um, I wanted to talk real quick about, Giroux being named the uh, Metro All-Star Captain because one, Here I'm is. not saying I'm not saying it's hilarious if Ovechkin actually tested positive. That's not good if somebody has COVID. Um, it is kind of funny that the guy who openly does not want to go to All-Star games suddenly came down <laughs> like with this time period, like in this time frame where he misses one game and then is going to have a week off and you know he's going to be right back in the lineup next week so he doesn't have to go to the All-Star game. I just find this kind of comical. Very but strange. Or are you, are you implying that, like, Alex Ovechkin was going to, like, every super spreader event possible over the last week so he could avoid going to the All-Star game? Think, I just think he, like, tested at home and was like, yeah, I'm positive. Like, Sorry, I don't guys, think... Can't, like, can't go. <laughs> I don't think it was even a team test. I think it was like... <laughs> Yeah, sorry guys. My uh, my wife was a close contact. I uh, yeah, when we were doing that commercial with Nick Backstrom, uh, someone in the crew. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> like whatever. But because of this, he was the captain of the Metro team. He's out. Claude Giroux is the captain of the Metro All Star team. This means they're out in the first round, right? Oh yeah, that that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. That's it. I just wanted to make you that just joke. wanted to make that joke. This this yeah. is all long set up to make the first round yeah. exit joke. Yeah, in fairness, the last time the Flyers were in the playoffs, they won the first round. They did. They, they did. did. They 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 the most recent playoff appearance. They were winners in one. I round. was just gonna say, dude, count because there's a bubble. Wasn't yeah, real. bubble doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> they also won all those fake playoff games. Remember how excited we were when they won that little play-in tournament? Oh yeah, sure the were. round robin. 
Top God, seed in the East, God. baby. Fucking idiots. Top we were. seed. First, first seed in the East. What a bunch of nonsense that was. It, you know what would be great? And, like, I mean, it would be great not because they should do it, but because how pissed off people would have gotten if they would have put up a banner. A banner. A banner oh, of being the top oh. seed in the oh, bubble oh, playoffs. God. That would have been amazing. That shit would have been great. <laughs> uh, what is your, like, do you have any interest do you have any excitement level at all for the skills competition or for the uh for the all-star festivities at all i'm gonna be honest i actually am a little bit excited only because they're like actually doing some cool stuff for once um like the playing on the bellagio fountain like i need to see what that's gonna look like Shutting down the strip, that's going to be cool. The problem is, I'm not sure how many people know that these things are happening. Um, I did not until right now. Based on, I asked on Twitter yesterday, because I don't really watch a lot of regular TV, and I don't really watch other sports, and I was curious if, like, people had seen advertisements for the NHL All-Star Game, and apparently no. Not a one. Nobody's seen one. So apparently the league went through all the trouble of setting up what sounds like is going to be a pretty cool event in Las Vegas and just decided that they didn't need to tell anyone about it. And I guess that people are just going to like one of those cool pop-up events spontaneously just going to like tune to ESPN on a Friday night and watch it. Um, it's an extremely NHL thing to do though. It's, it's just, it's so it's, NHL. It, 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 and I, I think that I, it'll only I be have, on ESPN plus. No, it's on, it's actually on ESPN. Oh, which is good. nice and plus obviously and then the actual game is on like real life abc which is neat but again shit. they're not telling anyone about it and i i had this thought in my head after i saw the nhl tweet about celebrating gary bettman's 30-year reign of ruining the <laughs> hockey we're celebrating um, this yeah so i was just like yeah um it's it's pretty annoying to me because i do kind of feel like it's gonna be neat like in a very las vegas way which, like, the All-Star Game should be, like, a ridiculous spectacle. There's no point to it. It might as well be ridiculous and fun. And I think this might be, uh, but no one's going to watch it, so that's cool. So I've always I've always loved the skills competition. I've never, it's so fun. I've never liked the All-Star Game. I find that boring um, and just kind of like pointless. I feel like the three-on-three kind of makes it more fun. I, I guess, but I've just never been The first three-on-three was cool, and then, like, everything else you just— you get numb to it. I've always loved the skills competition, um, dating back to when I was a kid. Um, yeah. I mean, I actually, there's a, so I, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll get into it. Like, I have, like, a, a personal connection with the skills competition. Um, when I was in second grade, my mom got really sick, and she was in the hospital. Um, and it was, like, a very, like, you know, like, jarring thing for someone in second grade where it's, like, holy shit, like, my mom might die. And I remember... The first day we were allowed to go see her was the All-Star Skills game. And I remember watching that as a second grader, like, in my mom's hospital bed, like, with her. So, like, I have very, like, nostalgic, positive feelings about the skills competition. That, like, they're not going to go away. I think very fondly of the skills competition. So I will be excited to see it. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry for bringing down the mood a little no, bit there, guys. No, it's no, it's <laughs> I like thought that fun. was a nice story. And, no, it's a, it's a great story, and it's like those little things that like oh, sports always bring people together and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like the skills competition, it's just you never get to see like oh yeah, we all just like Connor McDavid's the fastest, but you never actually get to see him race anybody. You know, like 
there's mm. never an end-to-end, okay, let's see if someone's as fast as him or anything. Like, it, it's cool to actually get to see who has the hardest shot. You know, a couple people are out this year, yeah. so maybe it's not the same. But, it, it, like, I like to see the breakaway. Like, all these different things. Like, no rules, just see how it goes. Uh, it's just, it's cool. The game itself, yeah, I think the skills competition's way better than the game. Um, yeah. I am interested in the games now a little bit, because Tom Wilson's in, and I want to see <laughs> if he runs. Like, I literally want to see if he runs anybody. <laughs> he might not be able to turn it off. Like, he might just get on the ice in the three-on-three and just, like, forget that he's not remember, supposed to be trying that hard. <laughs> remember when Keith Primo got put in, and he was, like, throwing some hits? He had, like, two, three hits in the game, and everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Back when the Flyers cared about playing hockey. Back when them, uh, back when they were men. Now they're little <laughs> boys with their video games. So, so kind of using this as a segue. Using this as a segue because this was a conversation that we had on um, in our like Slack channel earlier this week, and I thought it was an interesting conversation. I'd like to bring it to BSH Radio because, as you said, Claude Giroux is now the Metro Division captain. Claude Giroux is obviously the Philadelphia Flyers captain. And there is a non-zero possibility that Claude Giroux, by the end of March, will no longer be the Flyers captain because he will no longer be on the Flyers hockey team. If Claude Giroux is traded and then Claude Giroux does not re-sign with the Flyers this offseason after being traded. Because I don't think the Flyers will name a new captain the rest of the season if they trade Claude Giroux. No. I, just, I just don't think they're going to do it. They'll just go with a bunch of alternates. Um, but assuming Claude Giroux does not come back to the Flyers this offseason, I would guess the Flyers would name a new captain for next season. Who do you think that new captain should be? Assuming they don't, like, go out and trade for someone who is an obvious captain that they just, like, bring in as, like, a hired gun. Who would be the next captain after Claude Giroux? I can't believe we're actually having this conversation, but it's a conversation we probably got to have because there's a good chance Claude Giroux is getting traded. He, he is the longest traded. tenured Flyers captain. Uh, it's, it's a real conversation. I've said this a few times on the post game, uh, and I legitimately don't think they should have a captain right away. I think this is ha- is going to have to be something that somebody earns. That's and fair. absolutely nobody has. Mm. Uh, have three, four alternates. Have a leadership group. But <clears throat> until this team shows that somebody is a leader of it, uh, I-, I don't. I don't see the point in slapping the C on somebody because I don't want. I don't want another Jason Smith for a year. Although that was very helpful to have him in that role. Uh, him be like the in-between captain before they gave it to Mike Richards. But I don't want another one-year guy. I don't want a new player having it. I I want this to happen organically. The way, like, you know, after Lindros, they gave the C to Desjardins. And then he was like, after a little while, yo, Keith Primo's the captain of this team, so we're giving him the C. And everyone went, okay, cool. I want something like that without the middleman. Like, I want everyone to be like, no, this is obviously the captain of the team now. He will now wear the C. Right. Like, I want it to be, I want it to be an honor to wear the Flyers C again. Like, it should be a bigger deal, uh, especially after Giroux, the longest tenured captain. Uh, I don't want to just slap it on somebody. So here's the thing with that. I don't know if they'd be willing to do that because I feel like the Flyers organization has, like, some teams 
have done that, where they'll go a, a couple yeah. years without an actual captain. I don't know if the Flyers would be willing to they do that because won't. of how because of how much <clears throat> like they really do place an emphasis upon the importance of the captaincy and tradition and all that other stuff. So I don't know if the organization would allow them to do that. I would like the players to pick the captain. I would like the organization to have no say in it because I feel like they have a bad habit of just giving it to the best player. Yes, yes. And that's not a good – like, for example, none of us are in the room. If, like – just, like, to make it as ridiculous as, po- as possible, if Keith Yandel is, like, yeah. the leader of the room and the guys really like him and they Would want to follow him I'm, – I'm, I said it was the most ridiculous I know, example. I'm, I'm. Then he should be the captain and none of us should have anything to say about it because it's, it's not – it's not really like a thing that an outside source should choose. Like it should be no, the leader of the room. If it's like a Justin Braun instead of a Sean Couturier, like is what yeah. you're getting at. Right, like, right, right. Like the Jason Smith thing. Like yes. a veteran who'd just been through a lot, who was just going to kind of be the, the dad of the room. Like that's what he was there to do. Like, sure. Absolutely. I uh, think that I, but like league wide, the best, the best player on a team, I, I feel like is rarely the guy that seems like the leader of the team. He's just the best player. Like, yeah, Connor but, McDavid is probably not the captain of the Edmonton Oilers. He's just the best fucking player. But that's the thing, and that's what it's turned into. I feel like a, on yeah. on most teams, that is what it's turned into, is that the best player gets the C because he's the best player. And then, because he's the best player, he then almost has to become the leader of the team because it's the expectation of like you're the best player so you're also the captain and you're also the leader and I don't know if I love that like I don't know if I love that change I feel like it's a change I feel like and it I also, used to be like that and yeah. now it is and it's not just a flyers thing it's it's a it's sure. a league-wide shift in terms of what a captain should be and then fans are still in the mindset of like no the captaincy is what it was 20 25 years ago and I don't think it's like that at least in terms of the way that decision seems to be made. I will say because really when it comes down to it the tangible what is a captain you get to go talk to the refs. Yeah, that is the I tangible. Do, I do think yeah that I do think it's important for your star players to have that reputation with the referees, to have that like mm. back and forth. Yeah. And listen, it hasn't helped Drew. He never gets fucking superstar call. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, fucking Drew could get cracked over the head and be like, "Ah, you embellished two and two. Like, so, so you know. I think the thing I, that hurt I, Drew in that I sense is that in, in, is in his early portion of his career, he, he was did a flopper early, and yeah. then he just got that rep and it never left. No, like I've seen Drew like do some wild shit uh, early in his career. Now, like, he, he, you know, he's older. He doesn't have the energy to throw himself into the boards like that. He needs to save it for playing the game. Yeah. But he did do a little bit of that early in his career, and that has hurt him even up till now. But, like, overall, I see the, uh, like, I see the value in them having the rapport with the referees and, like, yeah. you know, it, just that sort of thing. But... Even, like, Mike Richards wasn't the best player. He was the fan favorite. But, like, that team has Gagne, Briere, like, there were some... Carter. And those guys are... Pace. Carter was yeah, better Carter, than Richards. Yeah. 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 Uh, there are some guys who were better, but, like, that offseason, they asked Mike Richards, are you ready to be captain? And he, like, said to the media, no, Jason Smith's the captain. 
and like granted he was leaving and he didn't want to disrespect Jason Smith or anything but he basically said I'm not ready and they were like too bad kid we're selling a bunch of jerseys with your C on them yeah so yeah <laughs> we've already like, decided you're the next Bobby like listen Clark, I you bought do it I bought a Richards jersey with a C on it the year before because I was like because the day they drafted him they're like here's the next Bobby Clark right. he's the next leader of this team yeah like. And I don't want that sort of expectation put on somebody either. Like, if it's Joel Faraby said. Like, I, he has enough to do just fucking getting yeah. used to being a star player in this league if he's going to be that. Yeah. I, I don't need that on him, too. That's that's kind of where I'm at with with this stuff. Like, my so my expectation, and I, I could be totally wrong, my expectation is that Sean Gattieri will be the next captain. That is yeah, my assumption mine. because it goes with the – he would be the best player on the team. He is part of the leadership core already. It's an easy, it's the easy move. And they can He's sell the a lot of tenured player. They can sell a lot of jerseys by slapping the C on Sean Gatari's jersey and then being like, hey, you people who already have Sean Gatari jerseys, now get the Sean Gatari captain jersey. So and I do think that does play into it, especially from an organizational standpoint. Sure. But honestly, like, and this is not a slight against Sean Gatari at all. I I'm just so sick of having to hear from fans like when you make the best player also the captain then when the team loses is not just the best player's fault for not scoring it's the best player's fault because he should be able to drag the team from a leadership standpoint beyond what they are because he's got the fucking C on the jersey like I I kind of would like it if the next captain is not one of the two or three most talented players on the team. I would like that because I am so tired of the discourse we heard for 10 years around Claude Giroux and around the fact that, like, hey, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter if, like, let's say the Flyers lose 5-4 and Claude Giroux scores three goals. And you say, well, you can't blame that loss on Claude Drew because he was awesome. And then the retort is, well, he's Stat the captain. Matter. He's the mm-hmm. captain. He should have had other guys playing better. Like, I'm so fucking sick of that that I just don't feel like, like, if there's any way they could get a, they could name a captain who, like, isn't also the best player on the team where the expectation isn't that he, like, should be scoring a goal a game because he's the best player and also the captain, that'd be great. Like, I, watching last night's game, I am more and more intrigued by the idea, if he would be open to it, of making Scott Lawton the next captain. He's not going anywhere. He's already got the A, and he plays with that, like, you know, like, pull guys into the fight kind of style, that high effort kind of style. Like, that's the kind of thing where, like, and he wouldn't have the pressure of being like, you have to score 70 points, because everyone knows Scott Lawton is never going to score 70 points in a season. Well, I kind (laughs) of like that. Everyone knows Actually, that now until they put the C on him. Scott Lawton no, I really, captain. I really like that idea. I, I like the idea of Lawton as captain. Uh, if they were to name one, like you said, I fully expect it to be Sean Couturier. Yeah, I think it'll be good. And I, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they slapped it on him the day they trade uh, yeah. Claude Giroux. Yeah. Like, but I, I do think it should... 
I, I fully agree it doesn't need to be your best player. If your best player is your leader, like say, uh, may, I don't know, I'm not in, I, I don't watch Vegas all the time, but maybe Mark Stone really is the leader of that team. That could absolutely be the case. And they went several years before they even named the captain. So like, it's totally possible, but I just, I want it to be the guy who's the actual leader of the team. And it could very well be Scott Lawton. Like he absolutely does have that playing style. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind seeing that a little bit. I would like it too. Time would for you a break. be surprised? Like, oh yeah, break. Just before the break, um, Kevin Hayes. We no one mentioned Kevin Hayes. I could, yeah, he's I kind could of see that. that. He's you know, just kind of that that vocal guy. He's everybody a, likes him. Outward, yeah. Like everyone, everyone likes Kevin Hayes. I just, I, I'm surprised no one brought him up. Here. I feel like the problem with naming Kevin Hayes captain is the way the last couple years have went for him. Mm. I feel like that's one, that's one where I could see it. it. If you hand the decision to the players, I could absolutely see the players being like, Kevin Hayes is the leader of this team with Claude Drew out. You know, hell, like half the guys they acquired are Kevin Hayes' best friends. So like, mm. I could totally see it. But that is a decision that would not be received well in certain corners of the fan base. Because it's like, what the hell has he done the last two years? Yeah, perfect captain for this team of underachievers. You hand it to the overpaid guy who gets hurt all the time. Yeah, a real captain wouldn't get hurt. Well, in fairness, Giroux played through everything. But that's like... Oh, Lord. I don't blame... I'm just joking, Kelly. I don't blame Kevin Hayes for like underachieving while he's hurt. I blame the organization for fucking letting him go out there hurt. Like, yeah. stop. He's well, clearly laboring. It, At the end is, of last yeah. season, we were all like, something's yeah. the matter. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. Um, yeah, we'll be back on the other side. We're going to talk about Charlie's Team Awards and see if uh, anyone deserves a participation trophy for their first half effort. All right, fam, we are back. And uh Yeah. Charlie, why don't you set this up for us? So you gave some, uh, you gave out some midseason awards in an uh, in an article on theoldathletic.com. Weren't and... all good awards. They're awards, no. but like some of them yeah. are dishonors. I guess uh, <laughs> just labels. Uh, again, dishonors. Whatever we want to call them. Grades. It's not like it's not like anyone's celebrating where the Flyers are right now. Uh, yeah, some grades. Whatever you want to say, but uh, we're gonna talk about Team MVP, Most Improved, all this shit, and. Uh, see if our choices line up with Charlie's. So let's start right there with team MVP. Um, I think there shit, are a I couple, guess... I think there are a couple options for this. Like you could, you could make a case for like two or three guys. I think you could make a case for two or three, two or three. All right. My candidates. Yeah. Hart or Claude Giroux are, mm -hmm. I believe the only options who I think you, you could think? make a case for Atkinson. Okay. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Atkinson actually leads the team in points now. Yeah, he has one more point than Claude Drew because he's—I think he has like five points in the last three games. Like he's been kind of on one of those hot streaks. Yeah, I, I definitely think you can make a case for Atkinson. Um, it's hard for me to give it to Hart. I think Hart has been the most consistent player for the team, but since he doesn't play every night, it's just—and that's like—it's the nature of the position. Yeah, um, it's hard for me to give it to the goaltender. So I have to go Claude Giroux, but I absolutely see a case for Cam Atkinson. I went with Giroux. I I think you can make a strong case for Hart because, I mean, he's got a 9.15 save percentage on this dumpster fire of a team. Yeah. Like, is that where it uh, is now? Yeah. Like, imagine how good it would be if this team wasn't a mess. 
And that's like with a goals against near three, just because yeah. like they never are on offense. <laughs> yeah, they were especially like I mean, shit during the like the last few weeks of the uh, of the Vino tenure, like they were giving up like forty shots a game. I mean, it was oh bad. yeah, it was really yeah. bad. Yeah, so I could I think Hart is a justifiable choice for for team MVP. The problem with that is like. I mean, it's just it, it's wild that they've gotten good goaltending and they're still this bad. It's wild. Because like, remember last offseason, we're like, hey, if they just get good goaltending, they'll be pretty good. And they got it. And they've yeah. just gotten so much worse in every other area that it hasn't really mattered. Yeah, like things got bad last year. But we kept making the case, like, if they were getting league average goaltending, they might be in the playoffs. Yeah, we were. And, like, and that was accurate at the time. It was accurate. Yeah, like, and it was true. But now... Holy shit, is everything else so bad? It's incredible. <laughs> like, Martin Jones holding up just to the point he has this year is wild to me. Yeah. Uh, like, I killed that move in the offseason. And listen, he's had his ups and downs. He started out very well. He went through a down streak. He's played some good games. But, like, overall, the goaltending has been very good. And they still fucking stink. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would go with Giroux because I just feel like on a shift by shift basis, he's the most impactful. You know, it just it just feels like it feels like ever since the start of the 2020-21 season, you know, the the season that began in January 2021, it just feels like it's just been an exercise of Claude Giroux trying desperately to drag this team to something yes. remotely resembling competence. And like I just I feel bad for him that he can't do it. But yeah. he's trying. He's freaking like, trying. That's the that's the like he has to want to like. He's just got to be tired. He looks. <laughs> he looks. He's got to wave his no move clause. Like, imagine if he goes, and I'm not saying it's gonna be Colorado, but like, imagine he can go to a Colorado or a Tampa Bay or some place where he just like gets to put his feet up and be good. And like when he's not on the ice, the team's even better. Like uh, uh, that has to be so appealing to him. Like I'm gonna pass to somebody and they're gonna fucking score. Like, that has to be so, like, just energizing, the fact that that's a possibility for him. I, I he, had a stat he, in um, in one of my columns. Sorry, Kelly, I didn't mean to okay. cut you off there. Um, I had a stat in one of my columns last week, or two weeks ago, I guess. Time isn't real. Um, <laughs> where basically, if you look at Drew's five-on-five numbers, and then you look at the numbers of the Flyers when he's been off the ice at five-on-five, when Claude Drew has been on the ice, the Flyers have played very close to the level of the Vegas Golden Knights. So that's like the, the Flyers with Drew on the ice are the Vegas Golden Knights. The Flyers with Drew off the ice are worse than the Arizona Coyotes. It's wild. <laughs> it is wild. I know that Kurt, Kurt was tweeting the game. I think the day that you published that article and we brought it up in Slack and he like lost his mind on the, the brand Twitter feed. Like, are you looking at this? <laughs> and like the team is like, um, like a negative team on the power play without Claude Giroux on the ice, but like positive with him on the ice. Like there's just so many stats where it's just like how anyone could ever look at the problems on the team and, and ascribe them to Claude Giroux is just wild. I know stats aren't real, but like even watching the game. Oh yeah. He's the you only know. one trying. You yes. know. Yes. Uh, Zach McEwen's trying. Let's let's He's let's doing not, his best. That's true. Not. He's doing hey, his best. Hey, Bill, Bill, you can't just back Zach McEwen because you look like him, okay? Listen, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not I'm not saying Zach Mac is like an all-star or anything. He's fine. But I'm fine for, for 
I'm into for it. a fourth liner, mm-hmm. I have noticed he spends a decent amount of time in the offensive zone. He doesn't always make the play he's trying to make. It doesn't always result in a shot. But they're down there, God damn it. They're Tim down Jerry. there. Tim he does a lot of stuff. Yeah, he does yeah, stuff. He does stuff. This is a team that doesn't do much stuff. So him <laughs> doing stuff is very positive. I think Usually Zach... they're just losing battles in the neutral zone and getting defensive zone face-offs. The fact that that's not what happens when he's on the ice is good. You know, it's funny. Like, a Zach McEwen, and I, I like Zach McEwen. Like, Zach McEwen's underlying numbers are trash. Zach Mack and, for and, captain. And it, and it doesn't, it doesn't really register in my head that they should be that bad because I watch him and I think he's better than what the numbers say. But, like... Clearly, the Flyers aren't going to do this, all right? They're not going to do this because Chuck Fletcher and Dave Scott just went up there last week and said, we are not going to tank. We are not going to bottom out. That said, if the Flyers were going to do that, guys like Zach McEwen and Rasmus Ristolainen are absolutely the players that should be on this team because they're not that good. Their actual results are bad, but they are objectively fun to watch. So, like, get a team of those guys where it's like, okay, we're going to lose a lot of games, but at least it's going to be entertaining while we do it. Like, those are the guys you want on a team that is purposely trying to bottom out. You're not wrong. Yeah, who was it? Was Denny Gauthier? Like, he was always just fucking fighting and throwing the body, and, like, they were terrible, but it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was fun. Um, all right, next one. So are we all on G? Are I, we think all all on, I think we're I all think on so. Drew as, as Team so, MVP. Yeah. Most next one. Improved, most improved is very interesting. I feel like I'm not sure if my answer is going to line up with everyone else's, but let's see. Charlie, who did you have? So I think there's a couple ways you can take this. Like, so... If we're talking about, like, you know, the most improved player in terms of true talent level, that's one thing. And that's an interesting thing. For me, the most improved player season over season is very clearly Carter Hart. Yeah. Because he was an absolute dumpster fire last year, and this year is back to being really good. But, like, I don't know if it's real improvement or more just him bouncing back. So yeah. I'm open to someone making a case that, like, that's not really what most improved should mean. That most improved should mean someone taking a step forward that was not in anticipated. their career. Yes. Yeah, that's like, a good in the point. trajectory of their career. Um, I thought you were both going to say heart. And I was I going my, to, but now Charlie has me rethinking. So my answer is similar, but I guess, like, did we all expect Carter Hart to bounce back? I did. I did. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, he kind of just had a bad year last year. My answer is Oscar Limblom, simply because, man, it, it even the beginning of this year, it was like, ooh, yeah, he might just not be that guy anymore. Over the last couple weeks, let's say last two months, I feel like I've seen true, steady improvement in him getting back to the player that we thought he was going to be. Like, all those goals that. he scored before the diagnosis were kind of like, I don't want to say a fluke, but I don't think anyone ever expected him to lead the team in goals. Yeah. Like, part of his thing was he's in the right place but can't finish, and then suddenly he was finishing. Um, yeah. I, I But I'm just seeing a lot more of the Oscar Limblom that I expected to see, and I didn't know if we were ever going to get there, while Carter Hart, I just kind of figured last year was a shit year. 
Yeah. That so for me it's like the season over season most improved is definitely Carter Hart. I like the Limblom concept. I'd like to see him have a strong second half. That's one yeah. of the that's one of the things yeah. actually where like, you know, if you're talking about reasons to watch this team in the second half despite the fact that they're going nowhere, like Oscar Limblom hopefully continuing to get back to somewhere close to where he was before the cancer diagnosis. Like that's a reason to watch this team. Because that's, like, everyone, no one has anything bad to say about Oscar Limblom in this fan base. Like, as much as everyone hates the Flyers, no one hates Oscar Limblom. So, like, cheer for Oscar Limblom to get back to where he was pre-cancer diagnosis. That's something I think we all can agree on as, like, an objectively good thing to do. I have a spicy, a spicy answer. All right. Okay. Rasmus Ristolainen. That's not awful. Because still he's not, a great still answer. Not, he he not is really better. Yeah, he's, he's better. He's 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 better than we expected. Way yeah. better than he was in Buffalo, and yeah. I think way better than we expected, which is good. good well, good maybe better than we expected. I think some people would say this well, is exactly true. what they expected. But and and to be clear, like very smart. His numbers still aren't great, no. but they are better. They're better than they were. How would and, anyone's team? How would anyone's numbers be great on this team? That like yeah. it's a lot like the Buffalo argument. Like I, he's better than I expected him to be. I was hopeful he was this good, but like that it was all kind of blind hope that Buffalo is a fucking dumpster fire, and he true talent is better than what he showed there. Because how couldn't you be bad in Buffalo? He brought so, the dumpster fire, but it was fire all it was all blind hope. Yeah, I, it's, and it's funny, like, you know, there's been talk, and I forget if we even talked about this on last week's show, but there's there's talk, understandably, about, like, you know, should they bring, bring Rissalainen back? He's an expiring contract. Should they try to trade him and recoup assets at the deadline? And yes. my thing, I mean, I think they should, but my thing with that, and this is sort of how I've answered it when people have asked it, is that, like, look, let's set aside the Flyers for a second here, and let's look at this purely from Rasmus Rissalainen's perspective. This is a guy who asked out of Buffalo because they they sucked. And he just was like, I need to get the hell out of here because I want to win. And he gets traded to Philly. And they suck. If I'm Rasmus Ristolainen, I'm not re-signing. Like, I'm saying, you know what? Like, I just really want to play for a winner. And I haven't seen anything out of this team to think that this isn't just Buffalo part two. So... Please trade me. I am not resigning. I want to go somewhere fun. Because also, this season has been the opposite of fun, and it probably just feels like Buffalo with a lot better facilities. Because And also, I mean, like, if I'm him, given the fact that every NHL GM is obsessed with me, I'm probably going to want to test the market, see what kind of offers I get. Um, sure. Because someone and- will probably throw a bag at him, and the Flyers really can't. If the Flyers are actually going to try to retool their way into relevance, that's probably going to have to require at least one free agent signing. And they're going to need money to do that. So they can't really afford. And like, I think we've talked about this before. NHL players don't really take um, pay cuts ever. So like the idea of paying him more than what's he make now, like five or five point four, I believe is what it's got. I think he'll get less than that, but I don't think he'll get that much less than that. Yeah, it's just too much to commit to like a fine sort of okay, but mostly bad second pair defenseman. If we're gonna try to like get some impact players on the front end, 
Now, uh, to this point, sidetrack real quick with Ristolainen. They need to recover some of what they gave up for him, right? They yeah. need to recoup some of that value. Um, I didn't watch Wednesday's game. I called out six. Steph did post game. Uh, but I don't. Last I watched the Flyers, Keith Yandel is still on the power play. Keith Yandel is worthless. The only value he has is he has gray in his beard. So like a GM may want him. Um, Rasmus Ristolainen is a player that you're going to want to try to extract some value from. Why isn't he on the power play to maybe put up five power play points he before the fucking be. deadline? And like, oh, look, he can add to your power play too. Like, why isn't that? I realize like the GM and the coach, there's separation there. But when you're at this point in the season and it's over for you, there yeah. should be no disconnect. You should be doing what's best for the organization. And what's yeah. best for the organization is displaying, yo, this guy's got a big shot from the point. Uh, let's try to get something for him. And also, that is driving me nuts. To be fair, it would help the team, too, because that was like the Probably. one thing he was good at in Buffalo was yeah. quarterbacking the power play. So, like, if you're going to pretend that winning games is a good thing and you're Mike Yo and you want to try to win games that's probably a good idea anyway because the power play is not very good so it can't hurt to try yeah they're so they're so like loathe to try anything well no I mean they, they do try things it's just most of the things they try don't work you and then we forget the right that they stuff. tried them yeah fair enough <laughs> we forget that they tried them because yeah, it didn't work so obviously things. it was dumb <laughs> No, I, I, look, I, have no, I have no problem with putting Risto on the power yeah. play. Like, sure, what the hell? What, what, what the what fuck's the hurt? difference? They're, I have the power play. They're fourth worst at 15%. It's mind-boggling that there's three teams worse than them. It's, like, it's wild to me. I Every can't time imagine I watching those teams. <laughs> like, okay. All right, so. Wait, okay, all right. Next, next category. Um, and you can't just say the Flyers. Oh. Um, biggest disappointment. I, and Charlie has these two. He has the same category, biggest disappointment and biggest disappointment non-injury related. So obviously, I think a lot of us, biggest disappointment is just not getting to see Ryan Ellis. Yes, that was like that was what I picked. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He's, I mean, that's the big off-season move. That was yeah. the, okay, we have a first pair D with, with Provy and, uh, and Ellis. And Ellis has played what, four games, is it? Four games. Um, so I can't imagine... In, if we're going to include injuries, I think Ryan Ellis has to be the biggest disappointment. Yeah, just his health. Like, I think in my in my article, I literally put Ryan yeah. Ellis's health. Because I can't say Ryan Ellis has been a disappointment. Because, like, look, like... He's got five points in those four games. Yeah, and, like, no Does one's... Really? Prob like, as frustrated <laughs> as fans are that Ryan Ellis hasn't been able to play, I'm sure Ryan Ellis is even more frustrated that he oh, hasn't yeah. been able to play. Like, he's got to be knowing, so pissed off. Even knowing how that trade, like, you know... He's played four games. The team's in last place. Um, I'd still make that trade. Like he could still like look. This year's probably a wash. Bumps. This year's probably a wash. He's probably not going to play. And if he plays, he's going to play like minimal games when it's over. He could still come back next year and be really good because yeah. he's been a really good defensively. Like, there's still a pathway for that trade to work out yes. for the Flyers if we just say, well, this year, like, light it on fire. Ryan Ellis comes back next year and is a top pair quality defenseman. That could happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility in any way, shape, or form. I... So biggest di oh, sorry. I was going to say my biggest disappointment. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. I, uh, I wish we got more out of Travis Konechny. Like, okay. pretty much let's, since let's... he's... 
Uh oh, yeah. Charlie. Tie it in with this, Charlie. Uh-oh. Let's have Get this me, conversation <laughs> because so I actually at the bottom of the outline, this was something where yeah. you know just giving a little preview into sort of how we set up these shows. Like this was something I threw into the bottom of the outline because I was like, if we have time. Let's talk about this because I think this is an interesting conversation to have. And it didn't look like we were going to have time to get to it. But now, you know what? Screw it. Let's have this conversation. Hey-o. What exactly do the Flyers have in Travis Konechny? Like, how good is right. he actually? Yes. On a good team, he is your third, fourth, fifth, eighth best player. Like, what is he? Because in 2019-2020, he looked like a guy who could be like, your second or third best player, and you could be a damn good team. Yep. And now I don't know what they have in him. Yep. Yeah, and that this and that's a... the problem. It's pretty much <clears throat> since he signed the contract, it's been a bit of a letdown. And well, no, the, I, no, the first the first year he signed the contract was his big breakout year. Oh, was it? Like, what a oh, yeah. steal! I remember, me like, yeah. what a great contract that is. And now oh, you're I have like, them yeah. flipped in my head the years but yeah I mean I don't think it's reasonable to expect that he was always going to be the leading scorer on the team I think that was a bit much um but I did expect him to be like a very good second liner I expected him to score a bunch of goals and he's not doing either of those things really this and is I know the team's bad but like also like I don't know, do something this is something that has come up on post game it's like you know we, we talk about getting rid of certain guys like, I, if they were to trade Travis Sanheim, I expect Travis Sanheim to go be an average second-pair defenseman somewhere, yeah. to be what he is here. Yeah. Travis Konechny, if he were to go to a good team with, like, good depth, I fully expect him to be the best player on a second line and, like, yeah. be everything be everything we think he can be. As long, if he's got the good center, and, like, and all that. But, like, I fully expect he could go and, you know, six years from now, we're sitting there going, of course he's raising the fucking cup. Of course! Like, he's Justin Williams or something all over again. Um, here, I don't know if it's ever going to work, but, you know, the whole team's a dumpster fire, so who's to say? But I, I do, ex- like, I fully expect him to be a guy who, if he were to go somewhere else, gets back to what we think he can be. I guess yeah. it's just like, what is he? Because, you know, if he is just, let's say, you know, that obviously he's probably not as good as what he was that that big year where he was almost point per game and he was arguably the Flyers' best player, and if not, he was, like, top three. If he is... If he's just a 50-point-a-year guy who pisses off the opposition and does fun stuff on the ice and flies around and is in your middle six... Is that okay? Like, is that okay to have? For us, no. I was going to say, here's the problem. He did a ghost where he set an expectation way higher than was ever going to be sustainable. And Flyers fans are going to forever, if he doesn't get there, then he's a disappointment. Like, he's letting, he's not playing up. He sucks, whatever. If he doesn't do what he did that one year that he was leading the team, in, I don't remember if it was points or goals. Um, then, then yeah, it's it's gonna be a problem. But that's that's uh, like that's an us problem. It's an us thing. Yeah, that's not a yeah. him problem. Like I look at Travis Konechny and I see a guy still, even if he's not what he was that big year. I see a guy that you can win cups with. Now he's not a guy you can win cups with who like 
is on your top line. He's not the catalyst. Yeah, you're expecting him. But he's a guy that, like, in my mind, like, every cup contender would like to have him on their team. Sure. And like to stick him on the second line or have him be the best player on their third line and just be like, man, it's so great that we have Travis Konechny to fly around and piss off the other team constantly and get in scrums and score some big goals at key moments. So, like, it's tough because even if he's not as good as we think he is, like, is he still the kind of piece you want to keep around in case the Flyers do get good? And I think that kind of speaks to the whole problem with the Flyers is they have pieces and no core. They have nothing to actually build around. It's just a lot of those sorts of pieces. And also, in tr- for Travis Konechny, he's not always that guy. He's too much in his head sometimes. Yeah. When if yeah. he's not scoring, he's not doing that other shit. That's yeah. true. When he is yeah. scoring, he is doing that other shit, and it's awesome. But he needs to do it all the time, whether he's scoring or not. But it's like, he doesn't want to get in someone's face and then them be like, you don't have a goal in six fucking games. Get out of here. <laughs> like, he six? doesn't want that. Did he have not have a goal in like 20? I'm just saying. He I know. He scored the I other know. day, didn't he? He did. The other day. And I'm like, a Travis would... Konechny fan. I'm a defender yeah, of him. Yeah, me too. I, I think he's a good player. It's just like, what, like, okay, I, I know I, I broached this topic earlier, but like, let's let's actually hash it out. On a cup contending team, Travis Konechny is your what best player? Seventh? Forwards? Forwards-wise? Yeah, forwards. I was going forwards. Forwards-wise, fourth or fifth. Okay. Forwards wise, I would say on a cup contender, I would think he's like fifth or sixth. Okay. Yeah. That's where I'm at with Travis Kenny. On a cup contender. Not on like a like a good team. On a good team, I think he could be like third. Maybe even second. It's a, if they have a really good defense. But on an on a cup contender where you have, you know, Nikita Kusharov and Braden Point and Steven Samkos, yeah. I think he's fifth or sixth. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's the, like, those teams don't have the Flyers' problems. You, know? <laughs> you, you, you could even play Travis Konechny on that on one of those teams' first lines. Sure. Because you have so many good players. Oh, now we have four fucking awesome lines. Like, yeah. It's and just like, the Flyers ta- don't. Yeah, and if you're talking about, like, the whole team, like, yeah. eighth, ninth, tenth best player yeah. on, on a really good team, that, like, I think he's a top half of the team player, but I don't think he is a, you know, He's not a core guy. On the a Flyers team. need, and the Flyers need him to be a core piece. And other teams would need him to be like, actually, you know who's good? That fucking Travis Connect is yep. like the star. Y- like you know, yup, like, exactly, exactly. Yeah. He's kind of the straw here, stirring things while like everyone else is great. That Connect me, but like we need him to be a fucking sixty-five point yeah. plus player, and. It, that just might not be in the cards. No, Travis, Travis Konechny, that's a great way to put it, because Travis Konechny screams to me as, like, his ideal... Fan favorite. His, his ideal spot on a team is the underrated guy on a really good team. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what, that's his niche. He's the underrated guy who, like, on a broadcast, the, the commentators can go on a two-minute thing about, like, you know who's underappreciated? That Travis Konechny. He's the kind of guy that winning teams have. Like, yeah. that's his niche. Like, and the thing yes. is, he can't be that on this Flyers team right now. Yeah, because, like, you know, when he had his best, he's playing with Couturier and Giroux. Of course he looked fucking great. Like, you know, of course he did. 
that's not going to be the case everywhere. But everywhere, they have better players where, you know, a team that would want them. Uh, all right, let's run let's, through let's these. Keep, let's keep going. You know what? We can have yeah. a little bit longer of a show. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, whatever. Uh, best and worst offseason acquisitions. I mean, best is Atkinson. It's right? got to be yeah, Atkinson, I would think right? So, yeah. There's, I guess some some people a... might some like serious Risto truthers might say Risto, but I think okay. it's no brainer Atkinson. Yeah, I mean Atkinson is exactly he's Atkinson is scoring goals per game above his career average. Yeah. He's doing exactly yeah. what we needed him to do. He's as advertised Cam Atkinson. He brings it every night. Shorthanded goals, all that shit. Uh, worst offseason acquisition, I mean. Mr. Yandel. It's probably Yandel. I, I think you could you could probably, if you wanted to, make a case for Nate Thompson. Mm, I forgot he <laughs> I existed. Forgot about <laughs> Nasty Nate. Forgot uh, Nate Thompson existed. Fucking Twitter superstar Nate Thompson. I was going to say, maybe I should read his Twitter. Nate Thompson, Nate Thompson is losing his one-on-one matchup with Alex Appleyard. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, but like, you could because you could say that, you know, he was on the fourth line, he wasn't good on the fourth line, and then bad. he got hurt. So he really hasn't provided much. The, the defense of Dave Thompson is that I don't think they ever planned for him to be an every-night guy on the fourth line. It just happened because everyone got hurt, and then he was stuck on there, and they couldn't— they, they, he was one of the team's 12 best forwards, so he played every night, and the fourth line was trash. I think his, like— they were getting like thirty four percent of the expected goals. Like it was bad. Um, but Yandel is just more memorable because he's played every game. So just because I like him and this is fun for me, like you could make the same kind of case for Yandel. Like he was not supposed to. Yeah, you could be this important a part of yeah. the team. I feel like his his role ideally would have been like sheltered third pair defensive minutes and then Q being the power play, which for the most part he's he was good at for some reason is bad here, but that could be, you know, the team and not him specifically. But I, I mean like he's he's sucked. He's been real, real bad. But it shouldn't be such a factor that he's been so bad. It shouldn't matter so much. The argument I'll make against that, because I I've made that case in my head a couple times, and I think there is truth to it because I do believe that they they anticipated being able to being able to shelter him more mm-hmm. if they had Ryan Ellis. Yeah. But when you lose Ryan Ellis, that's a trickle down yeah. effect, and you've got to use Yandel in some defensive zone draws. Like if you go back to the way Joel Quenville used Keith Yandel's final final year in Florida, like he didn't just shelter him. Like it was like he built a fucking brick house around him. That's how much <laughs> they, like he never faced top lines. He never took a defensive zone draw unless it was an icing. Like it was sheltering to an extreme degree. And I think the flyers would have liked to have done that. And they just couldn't because you yes. lose Ellis and you just can't have one guy never facing a top line literally ever. That said, <laughs> they've still sheltered him. Like if you go on, on hockey viz on Michael Blake McCurdy's website, like he still faces third and fourth lines more than first and second lines. Mm. He still has almost double the offensive zone faceoffs as defensive zone faceoffs, and he's still this bad. So it's Horrible. not like they're not sheltering him. It's just they're not sheltering him to the ridiculous extremes that Florida could <laughs> last year, and we're seeing the results. That I was even just with even with normal sheltering, he's still real bad. Yeah. Maybe this is just recency bias or whatever. All the, like, hack guys and all the bad players we saw, Vandevelde, McDonald, like, all the dudes we just complained unendingly about. 
Is Yandel the worst? He's really bad. I mean, bad. he's definitely this version of Keith Yandel is definitely objectively speaking a worse defenseman than Andrew McDonald. Yes. Now, like, that's true. The di- that's true. The difference is, is that Andrew McDonald was being asked to yes. play in a role way above, and yeah. he was making a lot more money than Keith yes. Yandel, so yeah. I think he was a more frustrating player. But, look, we saw in the final year of Andrew McDonald's contract before he was bought out that if you use him on the third pair, he was fine. Yeah. He was actually fine because that's yeah, where mean, he always should have been. Look around the league. There's plenty of mediocre to bad. Like, that, that's, like that's what a sixth defenseman is. Like yeah. your sixth defenseman ain't good. If it is, you're probably gonna win the cup. Like, you know. Yeah. But he but McDonald that final year, like I remember writing an article a couple days before he was ultimately bought out and being like, his numbers this season are the best they've ever been as a flyer because he's being used in the role that he should have been used in to begin with. The irony of it was that they have to buy him out because you can't pay a number five, number six defenseman, $5 million a year and have a good cap team. But if you're talking about usage, he was finally being used the way he should have been used and was pretty much okay. Keith Yandel is being used in that same role and is an absolute disaster statistically. So clearly Andrew McDonald was the better defenseman out of the two, but Andrew McDonald was also the more frustrating defenseman because of how much he was getting paid, because of how he was being used, and just because of the nature of the discourse surrounding him because he just became the symbol of, you know, the front office's inability to acknowledge that, like, bad players were bad. All right, this next one, I mean, best defenseman. This is tough because it's hard, like, Everybody's been not. They're all bad. Oh my god, Charlie, who did you have? (laughs) I picked Sam. Nick Sealer. In part because I wanted to piss off the people who really hate Travis. I was going to say this is is pure. That is that is Charlie doing the like closest thing to a troll job. Charlie will do (laughs) is picking Travis Sanheim. Um, But I actually, I I do think he's been been the best defenseman. Who's been better? I'm going Justin Braun. uh, I guess. I feel like with Justin Braun... You want to talk about role? If if you're picking Justin Braun, you're picking him because you're grading on a curve. You're basically saying that, yes, he hasn't been great, but he's playing so far above where he should be and not getting killed that he deserves a pat on the back for that. And I can can understand that argument. But, like, he hasn't been that great. No one's... They're terrible. But I will say that Justin Braun right now and I realize that this is a statistic that we lament all the time however I often say when there is a big disparity I will not discount it the Philadelphia Flyers overall have a uh I'm trying to vamp while I bring it up here the Philadelphia Flyers overall have a goal differential it's like third worst in the league at minus 39 It's minus 39. It's easily in the bottom five. It might be bottom three. Um, Really, the goal of the second half is to get to negative 69. That's the goal. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Justin Braun is a plus two. Now, I realize... I realize that I'm like I'm quoting plus minus here and goal differential is different than plus minus because it's even strength, all that bullshit. I realize it all. But that's impressive to me. Justin Braun should be a third-pair defenseman. He's playing 19 minutes and 49 seconds a night. That's impressive. Also, 
He was putting up points at the start of this season, which is not what he does. He's not anymore. That was fun. That was fun. He was, he was outscoring all the defensemen to start this year, which was absolutely wild. I just like Justin Braun. Um, I guess, sure, make a case for Sanheim, make a case for Ristolainen. And uh, Justin Braun has impressed me the impressed me the most this season. That's how I'll put it. And that's scary. Like that is truly that really does speak to the, this the is sorry team. state. Of this the is Flyers a team that is horrible. That's yeah. That's that's what we're talking about here. That's an one of the worst fact. teams in the league. <laughs> so my case for Sanheim basically is that, and and I will acknowledge that he has the benefit of maybe being the only defenseman on this team that is actually playing in his ideal role. Like that is that is a benefit for him that his ideal role is number three defenseman and he is being played as a number three defenseman. So like that helps him. That said. His second pair has been the only pair this season that has not been a dumpster fire. It's the only one. The first pair has been a mess. The third pair has been a mess. But the Travis Sanheim pair has always been like, yeah, aside from the first three weeks of the year when Sanheim was objectively speaking awful. He was really bad. Aside from that, that second pair has been, been exactly what you would hope. Add in the fact that he's playing with Ristolainen and who like, sorry, Ristolainen defenders. I do believe that Travis Sanheim is helping Rasmus Ristolainen no. more than Rasmus Ristolainen is helping I Travis believe Sanheim. they're helping each other. I think I, I lean way more on the side that Sanheim is dragging up Ristolainen than the other way around. But I, I, I acknowledge that part of that is my bias, which is a bias that is driven by the fact that Rasmus Ristolainen has been bad the entirety of the rest of his career. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a blind bias. It's a bias supported by facts, but it's still a bias. I will acknowledge that. To me, Sanheim, I mean, you look at like, you're going to throw plus minus in there. I, I will cite plus minus. Travis Sanheim is a plus one. Rasmus Ristolainen is a negative 10. And they've been on the same pair most of the season. Like, that strikes me as, like, if you're trying to pick out which player on that pair is driving the positive results, it's probably the guy who has the plus one, not the guy who has the minus 10. Probably. Hmm. Plus, Sanheim's advanced metrics, and I know, oh, God, bring up the advanced metrics, Charlie, a nerd. They're really good. Like, he is driving play. He's the only one who's even on the defense even remotely close to break even in goals for, expected goals for, Corsi for. His isolated RAPM, which is a model that tries to basically figure out like who's actually driving the boat from a play driving standpoint. He's in like the 90th percentile among NHL defensemen. Like by the numbers, he's been real good. And he's also honestly by the eye test, like, yeah, he's had his usual, you know, what the fuck are you doing, Travis, in the defensive zone a few times, without a doubt. He's also had a bunch of moments where it's like, hey, that was a really good play. At least to my eyes. I mean, this isn't like a the eyes don't totally match up with the numbers type of thing. I've watched him have a lot of what I see by the eye test as pretty darn good games. So I feel pretty confident saying that I think Travis Sanai has been the Flyers' best defenseman this year. I think I will I will always need more scoring out of Travis Sanai. That's fair. That the is totally inability, fair. The complete uh, like lack of power play time will always hinder that. Uh, mm -hmm. The fact that they haven't, like, that they refuse to, like, put him there consistently is insane. Just, like, you're at 15%. Put fucking me out there. What, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, but I, I just need the guy to score more. Like, that's, if he's going to be the guy, he's always going to get pushed around defensively. He's never going to be yeah. a fucking mean, strong defenseman. He's not going to guard the porch. He's never going to be able to do those things. He's a string bean. Which is uh, why he's a second pair of defenseman, not a first yeah, pair of defenseman. Exactly. 
but I will, to make up for that, I will need him to score more than he does. Fair. That's fair. I, I respect that argument. All right, next one. And we got a lot of options I for mean, this one. There's, there's so many. Oh, boy. There's Give a 45 way tie. The worst game of the year. Um, Which one pissed you off the most? Pissed God. me off the most? I mean, I guess, you yeah. know what? Use your own criteria because maybe what game pissed you off the most is different from the actual worst game. It could be. They, they could be two separate things. Like, there's just so many. together for me. There's so many bad games here. Like, <laughs> losing, so losing 7-1 to Tampa is bad, but, like, they're horrible and Tampa's a cup contender. Really good. Yeah. They should they should blow them out. Like Tampa allowing a goal to the Flyers. Honestly, they should have had to skate after the game. Um I will say that <laughs> the game that losing they... 6-3 to Buffalo is bad. That was like, that was bad. rough. That was after, really you bad. you just lose 10 straight and you go to Buffalo and you just don't show up. That was like, that was rough. It's Buffalo and you get doubled up. I don't that know if, if it pissed me off, but I think the game where I really just like threw my hands up and was like, whatever, like this is this is what we're doing was when they uh, they did another. Let's put a bad defenseman at forward for fun. Oh, the, the Nick Sealer game. Sealer game. Yeah. I mean, like oh, it, didn't, it didn't like really matter, but it was just like I was just like, are, are we really doing like that? what are we actually doing? We're here? doing that again. OK. And uh, yeah. That might have been the point at which I officially was just like, yeah, okay. Um, All the shootouts. The, God, they're, so they're many just, shootouts. They're just inability to be the least bit dangerous in the shootout might be the most frustrating thing all the time because they leave so many points on the table every single year. So the game I picked for my article was indeed the 7-1 loss of the Lightning. And my justification was, that game got the coach fired. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, and also, it came after three straight days of practice that were supposed to, like, fix things going into a five games and seven days stretch. And then they get blown the fuck out and weren't even competitive. And they were so bad that Fletcher had to do what he didn't want to do, which was fire the coach, because it was just that embarrassing. Like, it was so bad that it was like, we can't keep this coach around because we have five games in seven days, or now we have, what, four games in six, and, like, they might lose 10 to nothing in one of these games if we don't fire the coach immediately. So that was my pick. That said, I could make a, a strong case that the most demoralizing game actually came three days later in New Jersey. When they lost 3 nothing. that was probably... From an aesthetic standpoint, the worst game to watch because the Devils played like shit. Yes. And the Flyers weren't even in the building. Like, they, they had, I think, like two scoring chances the whole game. It was bad. It was an awful, awful hockey game. And I think the reason why, too, it was so demoralizing is that there was a reasonable hope after they fired Vino that, like, okay, maybe Vino was the problem. Maybe yes. they just quit on the coach because there were irreconcilable differences between the players and the coaching staff. It just wasn't working. We fire Vino. Maybe they could turn this ship around. And they go out the next night against Colorado, and they look better. They still lost, but they look better. They were playing offense. They were taking some risks. They looked energized. And you're like, you know what? Maybe this is the start of something. 
maybe Mike Yo is going to come in and they're going to be they're they're going to be refreshed and they're going to have a different mentality and they're going to turn this shit around and then they go to New Jersey and they look like the worst team in hockey. Worse. Yeah. And you're like, no, this is a lost season. It's over. Like it wasn't just the coach. There's a lot deeper problems than just the coach. And I think you can make a strong case that that was actually the worst game because that snuffed out any remaining hope that this season could be salvaged. Very good point. Most impressive rookie? Uh, this is probably just two. It's, 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 it's got to be either one of, one of Cam or Morgan, I would think. Cam, I think, has well, been more impressive than, than Trust. It's got to yeah, be York, like right? Cam, yeah. Yeah. Like, unless you want to like go off the grid and pick like Jackson Cates. Gerald. He's not even a rookie. Oh. He's played. He's played. I in never games. knew he existed until t- like this year. So in my mind, Mark Alt, baby. Mark Alt. <laughs> like he he is not Calder eligible. First off, he's too old. Secondly, he's played. He played for Minnesota before. Since um, when is that a thing? Fucking Artemi. Like you know, Panarin, you know who actually isn't. You know who isn't Calder eligible? No, he. Max Wilman is not Calder eligible is that because right? he's tw- he's 26. You have to be like I think you have to be 25 at the time of your Calder year. So even though this is his rookie year, he's not technically a rookie How by Calder so eligible. Prospects because this, like, we're a bad hockey team, Kelly. Because, That's the answer. Because this team stinks. How do we have all these like prime age guys finally getting their break? On the fourth line, we're, we're losing our shit over Jerry Mayhew scoring Jerry a goal Mayhew. every now and again. The, the best part is right Gerald. Spot. The best part is Jerry Mayhew isn't even on the fourth line. He's on the third oh, line. Fuck. Yep. <laughs> That's like uh, how how like Charlie made the point earlier. Like it's not it's not like we're at game sixty five. We're still in the halfway. Man. We're still in the forties. How is this? How are we? <laughs> Thank God I live in a one-story house or I'd fucking jump off of it. Uh, how, we have to do a podcast this? about this team every week. What are we going to talk about next week? <laughs> oh, my <Jerry>. God. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm off next week, so good luck, guys. <laughs> All right, we're, we're going to talk about, like, Seinfeld, Kelly. That's, that's Ooh. weird. I'm I've been watching it. a bunch of it. All right, do we, do we have anything else? No, I, I think we we had a, this was a long show. For, was a real long for show. as bad as the Flyers are, we're pumping out the long shows. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is all the time we have for you this week. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Just more more inspiring, entertaining content coming your way multiple times a week. So much content we can't even name it all. Uh, but I will. I will guarantee you this. If you subscribe and you listen to all the shows, you will be far more entertained than you will be by watching the Flyers play hockey uh, on a nightly basis. So that's my guarantee to you. That's all right. So that's that it. Can keep. Yeah, it's and it's 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 a lock. It's a stone cold mortal lock. Uh, but that's it. So yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Yada yada yada. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about? Sports?